but how many can we get? Praise be to God. Praise be to God. I'm a witness today. I said I'm a witness today. Thank the Lord Jesus. And I believe there's more in the making this morning. Praise be to God. We greet you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. What a great hour to be a Christian, to be serving the Lord, living for Him in this, in this time. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn today, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 14. We'll look again, Lord willing, in the direction was at last night, if the Lord would help us. And, uh, I believe God's Word is always so timely, don't you? You know, as a preacher, you find so many things to preach about and talk about, but one of the most difficult things is trying to find the mind of the Lord for what's seasonable for what people are going through. And the difficult part is, is you've got some people in this season, some in that season, some in that season, some in that season. So it takes the Spirit of God to help you when you're preaching to be able to leave sometimes even what you've studied, the main bulk of what you've studied for a word for here and a word for there and another word over here and another word over there. So that's why it takes you to help the preacher so he can follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Listen to these wonderful passages that have inspired, no doubt, countless of millions down through the ages since it's been written. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. It's amazing how that Paul writes this because he uses what is called a double negative. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched. So he, he uses a double negative, which is strange really in linguistics and the way that it's written. But when you really want to emphasize something sometimes, you use a double negative, which makes the positive stick out that much more. For we have not, which is negative, a preach which cannot, which is a negative, be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But here's the positive. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I mean, has a need today. I mentioned last night, I'll mention to you again today about our daughter Erica. and She's got several tests this week and or doctor's appointments and things like that. So I know you've got so much to pray about and one sense of the word, I hate to even ask you. But we're here to bear one another's burdens and to help. And um, I made it known uh, Friday uh, evening, late Friday evening. And uh, by yesterday morning early, I had heard from around the world. Even today, I've been still being bombarded from places around the world. I tell you, it makes you feel so small Amen. to realize it. People, people want to pray. People want to help you. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father. We're grateful, Lord, that your present help to us in the time of need. But, Father, I want you to know today... I'm so grateful that you help us to live a life so when things are going good that we're on good terms with you. Then when emergency rises, we don't have a bunch of things to fix. 
We don't have a bunch of repenting to do, a bunch of stuff to take care of in our life. We want to walk with you every day of our life so that when emergency comes up, we're ready for it. Lord, you saw the needs of your people that were signified by an uplifted hand. No doubt hurt, pain, anxiety, stress involved in so many of those. And the lifting of the hand was a silent motion to signify something that they have need of. We're living in a needy time. But we believe, Father, that your grace and your power is more than able to move on behalf of your children. How many needs I've heard this morning, Lord. Brother Lonnie, Lord Jesus, down in Kentucky, Brother Lonnie Dishman, you see this situation in his body. Lord, Brother Carmen Mills up in Canada, Father, with a kidney stone, and they tried to go after it and couldn't, couldn't do it, Lord. You see the need of our brother. So many around the world, so many in our own assembly. But we bring them before you today, Jesus, and we know that you're mindful. I pray that you'd help us as we endeavor to look into your word again. Speak to us, would you, Father? We're here as hungry children sitting at your table. We have many needs and many desires, many requests, but, Lord, we have much praise to offer you as well. Lord, it's as the little salt that Brother Tim Pruitt sent me the other day, Father, when I told him about Erica and her situation, and he said, <laughs> We need to call a feast, as Esther did in the Old Testament. And we need to invite the king to the feast. And while we're at the feast with the king, we need to tell the king about Haman. So we invite you today, Lord, to our feast. Because we want to tell you about that mean old Haman. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We want to call on the great power of the display of our King to come and minister healing, minister deliverance, whatever your children have need of, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Thank God for His mercy to us today. Praise the Lord Jesus. I might tap back just a little bit, if you don't mind, on uh, what we were looking at last night. <clears throat> Paul, in verse 14, just for a few moments before we go on with it, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now, you know that God's words are not written, uh, they're not novels, they are not poetry, and yet they are in that sense. They uh, contain some of the greatest words that man has ever written or has ever been read and believed by man. But yet God's words are not like our words. He doesn't choose them to try to make them sound nice and make them have beautiful syllables and synonyms and so on. But God's words have such powerful meaning. And when Paul would write this to us, and the very reason that he says that Jesus, the great high priest that is passed into heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. And when we looked at the meaning of the word last night, hold, it is to have power or to be powerful. Now you think, why would holding the right profession or confession, the same word, why would that produce power 
in a person's life. And yet, as I said, I do not believe that Paul used this word because he thought, oh, this would be a nice word. It has a, a real nice, you know, harmonics about it and a real synonym and this and that and the other. But it was more something in mind that would relate a divine message to the people of God. So he saw that, and no doubt they were already living in troublesome times. Hebrews is written around 62 to 64 AD. Uh, so Nero was already on the throne. All kinds of terrible things were happening among the saints of God. And yet Paul felt impressed by the Spirit of God to write this to, to the people that they would hold fast to their profession. So they needed to have power. Or be the master of. To get possession, to be master of, to rule, to get possession, to keep carefully, faithfully, to continue to hold on. So he doesn't just tell them to hold fast to their faith. Hold fast to the right doctrine, the right form of baptism. That goes without saying, of course. But he wanted to make this personal to them as an individual. That they needed to hold fast their profession. And the word profession means confession, subjectively, whom we profess to be ours. What one professes or confesses. So it is simply the fact of the ABCs that we looked at last night. There's great power in us hearing ourselves say the right things about the Word. As Paul wrote to Philemon whenever he told him that he would acknowledge every good thing that was in him in Christ Jesus. Now you think what difference would that make? Because it will have to do with your faith and what you believe about what God says about you. Now there's great faith we know that comes by hearing the word. And that's, we know that that's what faith comes by. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But it also builds a personal resonance inside of your own being. As you hear yourself taking that portion of the word that you have need of, and you're saying it over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, the prophet said it, you say it over and over again until you believe what you were saying. Which shows me that sometimes when we start saying it, we actually don't believe it. Now, we believe it intellectually. I don't think there's a person sitting here this morning that would say, I don't believe God's Bible. I don't believe God's prophet. I don't think you'd be here if you didn't believe it. But we can believe it intellectually. And the prophet said it this way, that it was like a great ship on a sea. And he said that the captain was up on the upper deck and he was a man that's saying go right and go this many degrees and set it up to so many knots. But he said, actually, the man who runs the ship is the man in the engine room, which is the man down on the inside. Now, he likens you to being the same way. So it is something on the inside of us, and intellectually, we can say, by stripes I'm healed, I believe His Word, God's going to move for me, God's going to deliver me, God's going to help me with whatever it is that you're dealing with. But the man in the engine room, the subconscious, is the one that will say, but what if he doesn't? But look at this person. They also asked God to heal them, and they died. You had their funeral not long ago. So how do you know that that won't be you? Now, every one of us know that that 
happens to us as the people of God. And you know what? We realize that sometimes it may be going to happen to us, but we have general orders. The general orders is not accept death first and then see if God might heal you. But the general orders is get hands laid on you, claim the promise of God. Brother Darrell, man, him and I was talking about it the other day about general orders, and I'd never heard it explained this way before. He said, Brother Donnie, you know what that is? I said, well, I, I think I do. Well, he said, well, in the military, he said, you are given that any time you meet uh, your officer, whichever it be, uh, you know, a sergeant, a commanding officer, general, whoever it is, you always are to salute them. But there's one other thing that overrides general orders, and that is when you're in the field, whenever you are fighting, you never salute a superior. Because snipers are watching for other men to salute their superior. And when you salute them, you just sign their death warrant. So that order overrides general orders. Now, isn't that amazing? So here you are in the field, and your captain says, go here, go there. You're, uh, you're for how many times over? For years. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But in that situation, you don't yes, sir, because somebody is watching to see who's giving the orders so they can take them out. So they want to take the men out that are in the leadership position because the army will be diversified. It'll spread. They won't know what to do. You understand. So you know what? We're all going to die. We know that or be changed. But we take the promise of God's word and we apply it to our lives. And if God's going to take us, then I believe he drops that inside of our heart. But let me just go ahead and say this. Even if God has pronounced the sentence of death on your life. If you can present to God a justifiable cause, prayer can actually change it. Now don't sit there and look at me funny. I've got them quotes laying right in front of me. If you believe God and God sends a prophet... With thus saith the Lord, you're going to die. You have the ability to turn your face to the wall. I want scripture. I'm fixing to give you one. King Hezekiah. So you imagine the prophet of God walks out. And Brother Branham said he walked out through the court. And the soldier said, well, what's the verdict, great prophet of God? What's going to happen to our, our king? Thus saith the Lord, he's going to die. He walks on farther out and other people are like, well, what's going to happen? Our king's going to die. But the king turns his face to the wall and says, God, I want to live. I want to live. I've got things I need to do. I've got things I need to take care of. And he said that prophet went down to a brush harbor meeting. And he said they started worshiping God and praising God. And the spirit of God came on that prophet. He said, go back up there and tell him he's going to live. Brother Bam said, Isaiah must have been so embarrassed. Because he walks out with thus saith the Lord, he's going to die. But he walks back in with thus saith the Lord, he's going to live. How was it? Because the prophet prayed? Because the king prayed. Now look at God's divine order. God heard the king's prayer, but God did not tell the king. Why? Because the mouthpiece wasn't the king. The mouthpiece was the prophet. 
So God moves on the prophet and sends him back in and the soldiers are all great prophet. What's going on? Thus saith the Lord, the king's gonna live. You imagine him standing there and thinking all the humiliation and the embarrassment. Why? Because a king was able to touch the very heart of God. So what do we do? We accept God's promise. We believe God's promise. We confess God's promise to bring our deliverance. And if God's got otherwise planned, then God will show us. You understand that? You know, Satan, if he cannot be, uh, try to convince us that we don't believe, uh, that we're not believers, he will try to convince on the will of God for our lives. Well, how do you know it's not God's will that you're going to die? How do you know it's not God's will that you have this high blood pressure? How do you know it's, well, I don't know exactly right now, but I'm going to keep on praising until he tells me otherwise. Because the general orders is, if I get sick, I lay hands on the sick. If I'm afflicted, I pray myself. I do all these things, call for the elders of the church. And then if there's something else, I believe I'm living right. I believe I'm walking where he can speak to me. You believe that about yourself? Then if I'm praying out of his will, then I believe he'll let me know. But until I hear otherwise, I'm going to do what the general orders tells me. Now in that, there is a part of the way that God has partnership, the deliverance and the redemption of his great plan with his people. And that is that God will do so much and they will do so much. The children of Israel had to march around the walls of Jericho in those seven days. God would not march. The angels would not march. He would not send birds to fly around, animals to march. The children of God had to do so much. But on the seventh day, they would complete their part and God would do his part. And we know our life is laid out the same way. Now when it comes to the ministration of the word, it's exactly the same way. God sends the word. God anoints our hearts to believe it. But then God tells us we must do our ABCs. Accept, believe, and confess. Is that right? Let me read you a couple of these quotes that we read last night just to kind of refresh your memory. Jesus died to heal us. Every one of you is healed. Every one of you is healed right now. Jesus has already healed you. You've all, you have to confess it and believe it. That's right. By stripes, you were past since healed. Then he did it at Calvary. That's when he overcome all sickness and sin. Oh my. Think of this now. For you, just like a table set, it's there. So here's this great big table with all the good things of God. And the only thing you have to do is go eat. You have to accept it. Believe it in your heart and confess it. There's your ABCs. Notice this. He's the high priest of your confession. Now, not just your face, not how long your hair is, sister. All right, us brothers, we cut our hair. Well, he, he's the high priest because of cutting my hair. He's high priest whether you got a hair on your head or not. He's a high priest whether you can walk. He's a high priest not even of your face. He's the high priest of your confession. And Brother Louis said we need to change our talking. Now he cannot heal you or cannot save you or do, listen to this friends, or do one thing for you until first you A, accept it, and B, you believe it, and C, you confess it. A, B, C, accept, believe, confess. Accept, believe, confess. Accept, believe, confess. I want you to say it till the devil gets so sick or you saying it that he drive, you drive him plumb out of his mind. I don't care. Well, Brother Donnie, I don't need healing. Well, you may not need it today. You might need it tomorrow. But whatever you have need of, the principle of God works exactly the same thing for no matter what your need is. And the church said, Amen. 
You've got to confess it. Not you've got to feel it. You've got to confess it. He's not the high priest of your feelings. Oh my, I love to feel it, don't you? I love to feel the anointing. I love to feel the presence of God. But he's not the high priest of that. He's the high priest of your confession. Oh, praise God. Let me share this with you now. Brother Ben said, let me just say this again just for a minute. Minute Jesus passed by a tree one time. And it was a fig tree. Looked at the fig tree. Now, please, listen to this. This is important. Please don't miss this. He looked at the fig tree and there was no figs on it. And he said, be cursed. Notice this. He cursed the tree. And said, no man eat from thee. The disciples looked around. The tree looked at it as it always did. An hour for them, it still looked the same. God never opened the earth and swallowed it up. God never sent a fork and lightning out of the skies and burned it to a charcoal. He could have done it. Sure he could. He never did those things. But what did happen? Listen how important this is. The tree had been cursed. The face of God placed against that tree's life. Now, if you've got a sickness or a disease this morning, listen how you're going to be healed. There was nothing physical you could see, but way down beneath the earth, down in the roots of the tree, death. Glory to God. Death was setting in. It had been cursed. The sixth sense had come against it. It had to die. It started dying from the roots. Now, this is why Brother M tells us that whenever he would pray for people and the Spirit of God would curse that demon and that growth and that person would feel better for a little bit. And then within 72 hours they'd get so sick because that lump of flesh that that demon had inhabited in their body the life had left it. And now all this dead flesh was laying there. And the heart and the blood is trying to purify. My goodness, all this laying there rotten inside of their body. And the person was saying, oh God, oh God, it's come back. I, I, oh, I felt so good yesterday. I felt so good. He said, your faith will make that life leave. But your unbelief will resurrect it. Can you imagine that you actually, by your unbelief, will allow that demon to come back in, that dead tumor, that dead growth, that dead cataract on your eye, whatever it is, and allow that demon to enter back into that rottening lump of flesh and resume his commission to take your life. Oh, hallelujah. Notice this. He said the sixth sense had come against it. And it had to die. That's the same thing taking place with a cancer. That's the thing, same thing that takes place with a tumor. Same thing that takes place with any disease. When the sixth sense of power of the Lord God raises up against it. Satan, come out of there. You might not see no physical condition happen right away, but their faith holds there the just the same. It's been cursed. That sixth sense, that super sense won't let it go. It won't pay attention to how you feel, how you look, how you act. 
It won't have one thing to do with it. God's word's been applied. The sixth sense takes a hold of it. That's all. She goes to work. The cancer begins to dwindle away. It dies from the roots. And it's gone. Because the sixth sense curses it. By the same forceful sixth sense, kingdoms have crumbled. Lapped one wall against the other. By the sixth sense, the Red Sea pushed back. And the dry ground made a way for the children of God to escape on. By this same sixth sense, Samson defied a thousand Philistines army with armors and spears. He had no way to defend himself but the jawbone of a wild mule. That's enough in the hands of God. That sixth sense went to work and he beat down a thousand Philistines. Hallelujah, he says. But this sixth sense, my, that's dead been raised. By the sixth sense, mighty miracles has been performed. It's the most powerful force that's ever hit the earth. Is that super sense called the sixth sense. Now listen to this. It goes on the lower part of the paragraph and says this. Your fifth sense of thinking lays within your brain. That's what gets us in trouble. Number five. Our old fifth sense within the head. Well, it can't happen. How do I know it's for me? I'm not sure. What if this is not the right time? But your sixth sense lays in your heart. You believe with your heart. Confession is made by the mouth. You believe, my, my, with your heart. Yes, sir. The sixth sense, that powerful force. Here not long ago, Billy and I was going down the road driving. Some colored boys come down the road. They was driving fast and they'd sideswiped a car. Turned around and around, throwed the boys all over the road. One little fellow was pinned under the car with his back laying against the car. The boys jumped out and started to raise it up and said, Oh, please don't. My back is breaking. Don't. You'll kill me. You'll kill me. Don't do it. Glory to God. And they said, Oh, we've got to get it off of you. It's catching a fire. I said, don't move it. You're mashing me to death. Don't do it. Don't do it. I hollered under there, son, are you a Christian? He said, no, sir. I said, you better pray. He said, yes, sir. The sixth sense went to 